This morning's message is, um, has to do with how we deal with God, as odd as that sounds. But I, I think we put off God a lot more than we realize. And I think when we stand before Him, we're going to melt when we think of what we've done or said or put off or shrugged off or esteemed lightly. Just think, remember when you was a young person and you were growing up, or maybe you are a young person, and your earthly father said, you know, when I get home, I want those, uh, the garbage taken out or grass cut or whatever. And you were like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when you came home and it wasn't, I mean, we didn't have timeout chair. If you guys are in the timeout chair, uh, I'm, uh, forget it. Break it up and use it for a paddle. That's, that's, that's the only thing that works. Or if I was sitting and back when I was young, we didn't have a remote. We didn't have a garage door opener, but my dad did. I was. And so if we were in the car after driving, come home, pulling a driveway, and he goes, open the garage door, what do you think I did? I went out. I didn't say, mm-hmm. of course, I probably did. I probably said, it's Roger's turn. It's Roger's turn. I mean, you usually do. Or if I hear my dad call, Joseph, I didn't think about Checking out what he wanted. I went. He was calling me. His voice and his tone, good or bad, it was drawing me. I had to check, I had to go see what my father was saying or doing. In fact, uh, we called Luke the other day because it was his birthday yesterday and I don't know if his dad knew we called him or what, but Ruth was talking to him and then handed the phone to me and I said, happy birthday. And then I heard his dad say it. Luke, put that phone down and get me that. It was a nice thing. wasn't yelling at Something. I knew his dad was wanting him to do something. So I said, oh, Luke, I'll, I'll see you later. He goes, yeah, my dad wants me. And he hung up and went. Now, you compare that with your heavenly father. Okay? Think of that, and then we're going to go into this now. The opening text is found in John chapter 5, verse 2. And we're going to look at something here that I hope that you take very serious and that you listen to the voice of God. And you can hear. You can hear God if you listen. If you take time. I'm not talking about actually like you're hearing me now. That can be. God can do anything he wants. But mostly he impresses it upon you, upon your heart, upon your thoughts. Means God. Verse 2 says, Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting, waiting for the moving of the water. Okay, Waiting for the moving of the water. The water is always a type of the Holy Ghost. Waiting for a move of the Spirit of God, we can say. For an angel went down at certain seasons into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Whatsoever disease he had. Now, I think it's obvious we take way too much credit for what we do in God and what we are in God. Now, look, I just want you to see something. That word Bethesda. Just like our hospital, this is probably the idea way back then. 
Okay, it's not popular now to be linked with the Lord and, and stuff like that. But uh, that word Bethesda means house of mercy or the mercy of God. And so there was this pool at this house of mercy or where the mercy of God was. And the angel going down and troubling it, that word trouble means to stir it. To just stir the water. There's a moving, a stirring going on. And the person that would step in then would be totally healed of whatever disease he has. Now here we all are here this morning to hear the Word of God. And I want to even tell you why you're here this morning. John 6.44 tells us, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent him draw him. Draw him. Unless you're here because, you know, it's fear time and it's a free ticket to be able to come here. And I, look, I don't doubt that sometimes. Other than that, the reason why you're sitting here in the house of God, just getting done with worship and praying for people, and now hearing the word of God, is not because you got this thing together. It's not because you, you're a couple rungs higher than the rest of them. It's because God, Almighty God, drew you here. He draws you. You heard the voice of God. It's God doing the drawing, and it's the Spirit of God that does it. Not us. Song of Solomon 1.4 says this. He says, draw me, and we will run after thee. We cannot even run after God if he doesn't draw us. We do not even have the ability for our heart to be moved and say, you know, I need to be in charge. No, God's got to do that. And Song of Solomon, he says, man, if you draw me, if you say, come, if you say, I'm drawing, I'll run. Outside of that, we cannot. We can't. Remember, it was Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And he said, what? Come! If Peter just would have went on on his own, he would have, it was God bidding him to come. So it's God that's doing this stuff in us and through us. That word draw means to be by an inward power, by the Spirit of God. It means to lead this way. It means to empower. Come on, get going. God does it. In you and I, it's not you just saying, uh, we ought to go to church this morning. It's the Spirit of God. And you can't take this lightly. There has been many times I have visited people in the hospital and in their homes, dying, if not hours before death. And when the first time this happened, I was stunned. Hours before death. Hours for before eternal damnation. And one last attempt to go and bring them to Christ and let them know the gospel and they throw me out of their house. You can push God off so much. And then you know what? You can't take Him when you want to. You can't do it. You can't. Been asked to leave many times. Sick folks dying in bed go to touch them to pray and they go like this. Don't even want me to touch them. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yes, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. If you're being drawn, if it's by the script and you're like kicking against it, it's God's, it's His loving kindness that is drawing you. Or if you're being drawn and you're going along with God. Wow, cool. 
It says loving kindness, but you better not take that for granted. The drawing of God. Exodus 20 verse 18 says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood far off. Here's a prime example of the stirring of God. However it happens, most of the time you're not going to really understand it. Who can understand God? His ways are way higher than our ways. So God comes down upon this mountain. This mountain is quaking and shaking. A stirring and a moving going on. The mountain is troubled by the presence of God. And the people of God are removing themselves from it. They're backing away from it. From a move of God. I can't remember the last true move of God in our nation. Maybe, seems like, a little spot here and there. But the last one, maybe, 1904 or 1906 in Los Angeles. Which now is so far from God. Moves. And when they happen, it's not the time to move afar off from them and run from them. Exodus 20, verse 19. The next verse says, And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us. No, we've had it. All we want to do is be saved. That's, the thing like, that's like almost the best level we got in our nation. It's just saved folk. No one really wanting to climb the mountain and go on higher in God. They've just reached their own personal plateau. Not God's. You see, it's like, whose timetable are we on? Ours and what we want to do or God's? Just like with my dad. He went, Joseph! I didn't sit there and go, you know, I'm kind of busy. I went because I knew what would happen if I didn't obey. When I heard that voice, and sometimes even the tone of the voice, you run faster even. And so when God does the calling, I'm, I'm afraid that the modern church is just no different than these people standing afar off. What? 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 Why? Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us, the Lord does, He delivered us from Egypt, which is the type of the world, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. This is all the stuff God has done for us. Psalms 105.37 says, He brought them forth also with silver and gold. God gives you blessings. Whether you want to call silver and gold the money part or just life, things, stuff, clothes, shoes, breath, eyes. He goes on and says, There was not one feeble person among their tribe. So healings and miracles and people praising God and loving God. Exodus 15.1 says, They sang. Moses and the children of Israel, this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. They praise and worship God just like us. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine or timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with her with the tambourines and with dance. Sometimes that they praise God just like us. We cannot separate ourselves into we're not. We're just folks. Same thing, the pulling, the worshiping, the stirring of God. But here's what happens. Exodus 19, 1. I'm going to read a little bit now. It says, In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. Out of Egypt, out of the world, into the wilderness. 
For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, Tell the children of Israel. God speaks to you through the preaching of the word and through the reading of the word, meditating on the word. He speaks to you. Tell the children this, he told Moses. Tell them this. Speak this into their ear. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. This is what he's telling Moses to tell you and I. You've seen what I've done for you. You've seen how I've taken care of the enemy who was crushing you under their feet. You see how I bear you up and brought you to my... He's talking to us. God has brought you to him. Not you saying, you know, we ought to serve. No, it's not in us. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, which is the word of God, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, God is saying. He's telling all the earth. So you think you own that place where you live. No, God's just letting you have it. It's all his. It's all his. Man puts their lines down, boundary, landmark. This is mine. This is mine. I paid for it. God says, dude, it's all mine. It's all mine. Verse 6. Now listen to this. And he says, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Oh, Moses is coming down. Moses is coming down. I wonder what God wants to tell him. What's God going to tell us? God's telling you, be holy in his sight. That's what he's telling you. Here right now, 2010, in fallen America, God says, be holy. God says, I, I, I haven't changed. Word of God says, I haven't changed not. I don't change. Be holy. Now, true holiness unto God is a sanctification of the heart. Now, wouldn't that make us an unbelievably peculiar people in America? So that's one thing he says. Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded them. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Moses went back up. It's not as if God didn't know. He went back up and said, They're all in, God. So back up he goes. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, He's he's telling him more to tell him. He said, tell him, I'm going to come in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. Went back down. God says he's going to come in a thick cloud. You're going to hear the voice of God. And the Lord said, tell this to the people. Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Now, God's doing this for a purpose to let you know, you and I know, how holy he is and how he should be revered. And he says, be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of the people upon Mount Sinai. Thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, take heed to yourself, that you go not up under the mountain or touch the border of it. Whatsoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. 
Like you imagine? Junior church let out and the kids just running, <laughs> running through the house of God and the sanctuary. And can you imagine that happening that day? When God says, don't even, t- don't cross this border. He says in verse 12, and thou shalt set bounds around the people. Unto the people, roundabout saying, take heed to yourself, that you go not up the mount or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. Does that say that in your Bible? Okay. There shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. You can't do what you want when you want with God. You can't. If the trumpet didn't sound and you went, come on, let's go up, you'd drop dead. If God calls, then you say, come on, Father's calling. Then you could go up. You can't do what you want. Well, I'm an American. God's not an American. He doesn't have a star-striped flag in the throne room. He doesn't. So a certain season when the trumpet soundeth long and the stirring's going, God says, now move, move. This is it. This is the moving. And when the water's being troubled and the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost is moving, He's saying, get in. We don't know the times and the seasons. We have an idea. I mean, we can call spring, March 21st, if that's the, the date, and get an eight-inch snowstorm the next day. We call it spring, right? I mean, the way it's going right now, it seems like fall is going to be 94 degrees. But that's what... We've had 60-degree Christmases. We call them winter. We don't know the seasons. We don't know. Thessalonians tells us, But there are the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. That's all we know. That's what we know. He's going to come when we don't expect it. And the way our nation looks, and the way our church looks, today's a prime time. Because we're not expecting it. First Thessalonians 5, 4 says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness. He's talking to you and I now. You shouldn't be in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You don't know what day. You don't know when or what hour. But you know. You know something. So you shouldn't be overtaken. It's just as if, if I, I called you, if I say, uh, Alan Johnson, I just found out a robber is heading your way, going to pillage your home. What's he going to do? If he's any type of dad, he'll be, I don't know when. I don't know when. He's going to be, well, what's he going to do? Well, when he's going to find out at me. No. I'm going to the game or something. No, he's going to be alert. And this is what God is telling us. We don't know when. But he says, you are the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. We're supposed to know this stuff. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Many are sleeping right now. Many are going, we're going, wake up. Don't you understand? (laughs) They're just not getting it. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about the church. So you cannot take these stirrings and moves of God lightly. I'm wondering, are we ever going to really have another revival, God? A real one from you, God? I don't know anymore. I don't know if America's crossed the line. We had our last nation-changing revival. I don't know. Because it seems like every time God wants to do something, we're like, "Mm, 
Even the Twin Towers. <laughs> the smoke goes through New York. What a scene. How long has that been? Almost 10 years. And now we want to build a mosque there. What? God's going, come here. We're going, nah, we're just going to rebuild the buildings. You cannot, even today, put God off anymore. You cannot take it lightly. You cannot say, just like you would do your, your earthly father, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that, Dad. Don't worry about it. And when the people saw the thunderings and the mountain moving and shaking for a move of God, because they couldn't understand it with their little tiny heads, they backed off. I don't want to talk to him. Why would anyone refuse to have an audience with Almighty God? Why? How can we be so blind to not want to have an audience and to speak and to hear from God? Here's another account. Listen now, we're going to get to the point where whose timetable rolls. Ours or God's? Individually, as an individual person, God pulling, tugging, you go, I don't know. They, mm, I don't know. Yeah, kind of. I understand, but just not. As a church, where God's calling us to, you better get yourself here. You better start taking this serious. As a nation and as the world. All those. Whose timetable? Deuteronomy 5.22 says, here we go again, because these words, the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount on the midst of, in the midst of the fire of the cloud and of the thick darkness with a great voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them in two tablets of stone and delivered them unto me. This is where the Ten Commandments, delivering the, the word of God, just like now, whether it's me, Bruce, Ed, whoever, guest speaker, delivering the word of God. And it came to pass when he heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that you came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness. How awesome is this? God shows us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man and liveth. You hear that? God does talk. With man, and you live by the mercy of God. By the, we should just drop dead in the presence of God. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. For if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. They're turning the whole thing around. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. Moses comes down and says, it's time, man. God wants to speak to you. All the people are going, no way, man. We'll drop dead. You go up and hear from God. Come back down and tell us, and we'll do it. Moses goes, no, no, no. That's not God's plan. That's your plan. That's what you want. That's how you want to do this. God doesn't just want to speak to me and stir me. He wants to speak to all of you. Come on, all of you come. Come on. And they wouldn't do it. They were saying, no, 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 no. You go talk. Look, we're in this, Moses. We're, we're in this. But you go talk and come back and tell us and we'll do it. They're telling God how to do it. That's what we do. God's got this plan and we're amending it. Now, we at New Hope think we're just going to send Pastor Joe up. Look at this now. Goes down. Verse 28 says, 
And the Lord heard the voice of your words. Now listen to me. God hears what you say. Moses went back up and it says, oh, the Lord heard already. I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have said. They're telling the father. How many of you told your father what to do? Really? I'm talking about a nice relationship. No, not weird homes like there are anymore. I can see going to my dad. Pat, I'm doing what I want. I'll be here tomorrow. How's that? And God heard you. God's pulling. Pulling and pulling. And you're going, quit it. Pulling and going. And you go, I will come when I want to come. I will heed when I want to. And the Lord God heard them. Now you're going to hear the broken heart of your God. 29 says, Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Look, look. When I do this to God, leave me. I'm doing that for my son Jason and now for Luke because I've done all all that I could have given them and they were growing up. They've missed all that God wanted to tell them through me. That's why the generation's getting worse and worse. This one, I'll do it when I want to. This one hardly knows about God and this one's never been to church. And God's going, I heard them. And then God's going, oh, that they would have a heart to want me and to love me. Now listen, though, not because I'm so cool, because it would be well with them. How many of your loved ones, dear ones, friends, however they are to you, walk away, reject God. There's not a thing you can do. And you're going, oh, no, because you know it's coming. You know what path, what shoots there. And it's fast. And if you can't get them back within five, six, seven months, they're hardened to you. They're absolutely different. Now you'll hear the words of a disappointed God. He heard their voice. You heard his heartbreak. Oh, that they would come. Verse 30 says, Moses, go say to them, go back to your tents. Forget it. And you can't go, oh, no, no, no. I'll come now. We're ready. God says, Forget it. Forget it. I drawled you. loved you. I had so much to tell you. Rejected. It's God's timetable. Not yours. No, 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 no. God, God, God. Can you keep that rain off one more day? I got something I'm going to do. And I'm coming to the ark. I'm coming. Just leave that door open. Oh. God broke up the fountains of the deep. The clouds were gathering. He told Noah, get in. And God shut the door. It's God's timetable. You can't sit here and say, you know what, I'll do with this when I want. I'm young. I want to get. You can't. You can't do this. The stirrings of God are precious. Not a light thing. You can't think, well, when, when I want to. And then someone else will be talking to you at that time. It doesn't. Just accept him. And they throw you out. You know, ask Bruce. He got thrown out with me a couple times. We didn't know the people. We're just there. I heard you're close to death friend of somebody were like, oh, you got to get these people saved. Threw us out. Was stunned. I never thought anybody at the point of death would reject anything to do with God, heaven, prayer, and hope. He said, get out. 
So I don't know which way in God's stirring you today. Most of you, I know, I don't know if you've never given your heart to God. That's number one right there. Number two, God's just saying, look, you're living kind of sleazy on me. This isn't going to go. You just can't keep doing it. You just can't keep doing it. And all of a sudden, get up and say, I'm ready, and find out God. God's moved on. God's already said, yeah, go back to your tent. The move's over. This poor Bethesda slurry. And it stops. I have been told I could pay the church off for a quarter every time someone would tell me afterwards, man, I wanted to go forward. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted. And we don't. And the bowl stirring and you don't. It's God that does the stirring. It's God that's done the pulling. Love me. Love me. I have a plan for you. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Come up to the mountain. I'm going to show you unbelievable things. And you take your scissors and go, not yet. And then on your timetable, you say, I'm back. Do you think God was moved when our Congress assembled themselves together after the Twin Towers fell and sang, God bless America? You think that stirred God? They refused to go up. The drawing stopped. They're in the wilderness, and they're in their journey. From there, what do they do? They build the golden calf. They create their own God. And that's what we have people doing today. Look, Moses, that's cool. Yeah, we believe all that. But uh, you do that. I don't see it that way. And they go fashion not their own. The same thing is going on today. I'm telling you, it is. The darkest hour in a person's life is not when they climb into bed with a woman that's not their wife or steal money from their employer. It happens when you refuse the stirring and the moving of God. That's the darkest day in your life. And our nation has done that for a long, long time. That's why now we have, we're have we trying to create moves of God. And then they blow up two or three years later and... Then they create another one and it blows up. And then they create another one and they find out he's cheating, they're cheating, they're all cheating, they're all crazy. And the people are just going, very get it. That's where we're at. Young person, your darkest hour. I'm telling you, it's not when you get drunk or stoned behind your parents' back and get pulled over for a DUI, cuffed, thrown in the back of a car. Your darkest hour is today if you reject God. If you just say, Pastor Joe, you know what? I believe all that, but man, I'm 19. So what? You see, you just can't turn this thing on and off when you want to serve God. It's God's timetable. God knew when it was the perfect time for Christ to die, to come, to die, and raise from the dead. It's God's timetable. God knows when it was the perfect time for Him to come back. So God is beckoning to this church and has been all through the summer. Summer. Lots of times I can think, God, you understand summer's crazy for churches. People are everywhere. They're all over the place. They're playing late. Stage light till nine. Vacations. Kids are out of school. God, what? Can't you just beckon us when we're back on our schedule? Look at, yeah, I'm telling God what to do. I'm telling God. Cause then I'll go over who, who's here, who's nice. It's like, Pastor. It's so hard because we're all moving and shifting and going and coming and and I understand all that. But this is what God is doing now. And I'm fearing God's going to say to New Hope, you know what? Go back to your tent. God's calling us. 
for a closer walk, maybe when no one else wants it. God's calling us to make the sacrifices, to cut off all the fun when you know it's time to be, to make that extra day, to get a hold of that prayer meeting. Yes, he is. He is. Look, we're, we're mountain. We're not talking hill. We're talking mountain. And God says to us, and I just said hello to the Walters, and they're carrying that, you know how heavy, and God's saying, come up! We're going, mountain. That's a, that's a mountain. This is not a skip. God knows what he's doing. It's his timetable. It's his stirring. Even with this message, I'm going, God. I told Ruth yesterday, half the people will be not even there because of the fair. But I said also to Ruth, you know, doesn't matter. God knows the other half that will be. Because see, in my head, I'm going, God, this is awesome idea. Next Sunday when they all come back, we'll hammer them. It's God's timetable. He is wanting this call for the mountain. It's not a horrible thing. It's to be a greater revelation of him. A greater manifestation of the presence of God. A greater light to be stowed upon us as we walk in such filth and darkness. It's God saying, you know what? It's getting so bad out there. You need to be equipped better. Come up. It's a narrower walk. Absolutely. Quit that. I'm probably repeating myself. It just works right here. The softball guys ended their season a week or two ago. And we tripped over the finish line. Didn't look too good. One six, lost eight. But I told you, I think this crowd, I told you, that the ump in the last game told our catcher, you guys, I've never seen a team like you. You amaze me, and I've been doing this umping for a long time. Meaning no cussing, fighting, arguing, no manly. And I thought, man, thank you. We did it. To the glory of God. We did it. That's the narrower walk at the last minute. Bad decision was made. Boom, we lost the game. I said, dude, it's a difference. You're still saved. Who cares whether you win or lose? You're saved. You're going to heaven. This is part of, and you can't do that on your own. You've got to go up into that mountain. And God wants us to wash our clothes and to be holy. You don't even have to speak. Just be holy. That speaks. And I'll close with this, Michael. I had to... Luke's birthday yesterday, so I was going to take off, go by the church. I always like to go by the church, just okay, it's still there. <laughs> no one, no one burned it down or spray painted it, and who knows that could happen. And so, as I just turned the corner, went past the church, not 20 feet past this road that leads into those homes over there, this, uh, looked like an older fella walking. I mean, like noon. What was it? 90 yesterday. Blue jeans, the whole setup. And I went past them, up over the crest of the hill, and I started already to feel God. And I'm like, picking people up. And so I went back around, came back, and I saw, and there was a, a black Pontiac to the side of the road. And I went, oh, he's probably just walking to his car. And I'm going the opposite way he is going now. So I turned back around in the church, and as I was turning around, he walked past the church, car. And I went, okay, God. So I went up, put the window down, and this dude is drenched, sweat pouring down him. And so we 
he didn't want to go that far. It wasn't that long. But he was telling me you know, his grandchildren, this and that and that and this. And I'm thinking, man, dude, you look old and rough in my head. I'm thinking he's only like three years older than I am. And before I got to the end of where he wanted to go, because I didn't have a lot of time, I just said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you why I turned around. God wanted me to pick you up. Saw you out in that heat and walking. And I want you to know that the Lord impressed upon me to just stop and pick you up. And he was blown away by that. Absolutely blown away. And then a little bit later told him about the church and he might come. Now he might not. Just picking the guy. I even told him. It's not real great picking people up these days. Ruthie said, well, how come you ever do it when I'm in a car? And I said, that's the reason. It's the truth. What I'm saying is minor, minor kindness now speaks volumes. Minor kindness. The church is busy trying to tell God how to do it. And because of that, God's gone a lot of times. Okay. Go back to your tents. Now, as we get ready to have our altar call, it's going to be this. If you have felt the stirring, don't look, don't make it difficult because we do not have good thoughts, godly thoughts, kind thoughts without God. We just don't. And if you've been thinking, man, I want more God or there's something missing and you've been tiptoeing around here. That's God doing that. Not you. It's God doing that. It's almighty God taking interest in you. And if you get sometimes like me, it's like you you're in this thing for so long, and just sometimes you just feel like you're out of tune. Your cylinders aren't hitting right. They're not firing like they should do, and you just need a tune-up. Then you come to God. He's the master mechanic. Sometimes your gas gets polluted with movies you shouldn't be watching. Things you shouldn't be seeing. Things you shouldn't be doing. Instead of going, for going to go, just come to God. The stirring is now. The pulling is now. Your opportunity is now. Man, don't do this to God. I'll do it when I get home. I don't want anybody to see me. You're telling God what to do. Just humbly submit yourself. Feel that stirring. Come. Talk to your God. Because He says this to you. It will be well with you. Well with you. But stand. Make your decision to come. Worship God.